this morning we want to welcome Dr. Kathy Cook to Fruit Cove. She's been with us this weekend for Parent Life. We had a couple of great sessions on Friday evening and a couple of sessions yesterday morning. And so I know that some of you in the room, maybe you're listening uh, on the radio, watching online, Building A. Some of you are here with us. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about our guest this morning. After receiving her PhD in reading and educational psychology from Purdue University, Dr. Kathy founded Celebrate Kids in 1991 to help parents, grandparents, and educators understand how to help children thrive. As a frequent guest on Focus on the Family, Moody Radio, and other broadcasting shows, she's regarded as a childhood and parenting expert. Dr. Kathy speaks, has spoken to over 50, uh, excuse me, she sp speaks over 50 times each year at Summit Ministries, the Colson Center, CareNet, and various churches. Last week, uh, she was at Max Licato's church in yeah. San Antonio. And uh, in a couple of weeks, she'll be at First Baptist Dallas, Texas, and we were able to bring her here to Fruit Cove. Uh, also excited. speaks at Christian schools. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Homeschool conferences and public school events. She's authored six books for Moody Publishers, including her best-selling book, Eight Great Smarts. In addition to all of this, she's blessed to be able to raise millions of dollars each year for pregnancy resource centers all over the country. Yeah. Welcome, Dr. Cook. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for trusting me. So uh, really interesting background there with education, uh, a coach, professor, mm. school board member. Tell us how you got involved in ministry. Yeah, I thought each of those educational roles was going to be permanent for me, but I couldn't shake Deuteronomy 6, which declares that parents will always be, or ought to always be, a child's first and foremost, most important teacher. You all know that, right? And so although what I was doing was really important, training up people to be teachers, being a school board member, I just felt the call of God. I've gotta go work with parents. And so I earned tenure as a university professor, and I quit, I moved from Green Bay to Fort Worth to start this 31 and a half years ago, and it's been a ride. I'm really, really privileged that God would allow me to do this. So Friday night, parents who were at the, the conference were encouraged to learn that children are smart in yeah. eight ways. Right. You believe that everyone is smart. Could you give us an overview of those? Right, I'd love to. I love to tell children, first of all, I love to tell children that they weren't created stupid, but stupid is their choice, um, and they ought not make that. Yeah, you can laugh. Um, God is a good God and makes us smart in his image. And there's eight different ways we're smart. All of you are smarter than you think you are. When we're being word smart, we think with words. How many of you have chatty Cathy's at home? When we are logic smart, we think with questions. We love to figure things out. Science and math are probably our groove. When we're being picture smart, we think with our eyes in pictures. And we color and decorate and rearrange bedroom furniture and then tell people we've done that. Uh, music smart people think with rhythms and melodies. And uh, they love it when they can worship like this. And then, um, let's see, body smart people think by movement and touch. How many of you have those kids at home? Movement and touch kids. And then nature smart children think with patterns. They love it when they can be outdoors and not indoors. People smart people think with other people like we're doing right here. And then self smart people think deeply inside of themselves and crave quiet peace, privacy, and space. And they can be uniquely a handful in their own right. Yeah. 
Great summary. We spent a lot more time on that at the conference. So what was really neat is, you know, the adults in the room were identifying, well, I'm nature smart, or yeah. you know, that, it was an aha moment for them as well. Yeah, it's exciting. All of you, I just, we all need to believe in the goodness of God. Amen? He doesn't make junk. And some of you are perhaps educated in a system that didn't honor the way that you were created. That's one of the reasons at Celebrate Kids, we're advocates for all the options. We're advocates for the children to be known. It's so powerfully important. Yeah. You also spoke about technology. Oh, yeah. It's kind of timely, isn't it? And, and uh, some concerns you have. Uh, share some of the insights that, that can also give us hope. Yeah. So I want you to like me. Um, but I'll tell you the truth, okay? Can your congregation handle that? Like, are you a truth-based people here? For the most part. Yes. For the most part. Um, I, can, I can point out a few people. One of, my, one of my reputations is that I don't compromise truth to make people feel comfortable. Um, so technology is here, it's here to stay. It's, it can be used for good or evil. Um, I teach that technology causes, especially young people, to believe that they are the center of their own universe. They only have on their phone who they want in their phone, they can post and then like it, and I could go on and on and on. Um, they think they deserve to be happy all the time because they X out of games they might lose, and they don't have to talk to anybody who's not in their phone, they think, which is a lie from the devil. But it concerns me. Social media is um, potentially a really good thing to stay connected and potentially a really dangerous thing. For young children, our teenagers, it allows them to think that the connections on the phone are more important than the connections face-to-face, -face, and that's not true. Um, things like uh, TikTok and Snapchat and other things that I'm not at all a fan of. I don't think they have any place in a young person's life. I actually don't think any of us should be on things like TikTok. And, and I'm not aware if I'm stepping on toes or not. It's not healthy. It short circuits their learning. It teaches them to be self-centered and selfish and arrogant and entitled. And I don't say that lightly. Um, my newest book that I'm finishing is on character development. We have got to teach children who they can be when they choose to put their faith in God and honor Christ's likeness in our culture. I could go on and on. Who said that? Thank you. Thank you. Um, do they know that my books are for sale out there today? They do now. All my books are for sale right out those doors. Um, all six, plus a couple of other really cool things. So. I dare you to buy the technology book. I'm on video teaching the truth. Watch it with your family. Let me be the heavy who supports what you believe would be best practice for you and for your children. Thanks for listening to me. So far, so good, Jonathan. I think I'm pretty happy. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, See, they, they laughed again. I know one, one of your passions is that children know who they are. Yes. And become who God created them to be. Yeah. Why does that matter so much to you? Oh, my brother Dave and I were raised to be known. We were raised to be developed into God's creative intents. My parents saw who we were and wanted us to become that. And I've met so many people through the world that don't know who they are or are trying to become who they weren't created to be. I could not have been a jockey on a horse. I'm 6'1". How many of you just saw me attempting to be a jockey on a horse? Anybody? Like, it's ugly. Like the horse is not happy and I'm about to fall off. I could have prayed every night. Oh, Father God, let me be a jockey on a horse. And I would have been mad at God every morning that I woke up still tall. We have got to help children and teenagers and our young adults understand that they are who they are supposed to be on purpose, with purpose, to the glory of God. Change your attitudes toward the things you cannot change and leave the rest alone. It's part of our passion at the ministry. 
Could I tell them more about that? Absolutely. Watch me open my notebook. <laughs> Don't be scared. There's a clock back there. It's pretty big. The size of the clock always tells me something about the teaching pastor in the local church. <laughs> what I believe is that God is a good creator. I think he is a strategic, intentional, personal creator. We know from Genesis 1:27 that we have been created in God's image, male and female. He created us. He's personal, intentional, strategic. He does not have an assembly line. He cared about you. He had so much love to share that he had to make people. I mean, wrap your mind around that. The world started without you in it. He had so much love to share that he had to make people, but he didn't have to make you, and he did not have to make you you, but he did because he saw glory in that for himself. So we read in Isaiah 64, verse 8, that we used to be a lump of clay. And Isaiah states a beautiful thing about the God's intentionality. He says in the holy, accurate, transforming, beautiful word of God, O Lord, you are our Father. I hope this morning you know him as your Father. And I hope no matter what kind of earthly father you've had, that you will celebrate the fact that God is your Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. Ladies and gentlemen and young people, so proud of you for being in church. Imagine God sitting at the potter's wheel and in front of him was a lump of clay that has become you. And we read in the end of verse eight, we are all the work of your hand. Say the word all. all. Say it again. All. One more time. All. We are all the work of God's hand. He sat there and he chose to make you. I'll, I'm going to make them a girl this time. They'll be so excited. They'll be really excited. I think I'll give her long fingers. That'll make piano playing easier, and her mom will be delighted by that. Oh, I know. I'll make her analytic, kind of like her dad. That'll connect them. Her mom's getting better at that, so it'll be okay. <laughs> Oh, I must give her a very special heart. She's going to have a little brother one day that's going to be hard to love. <laughs> yeah, that's who I'm going to make today. It changed me when I saw in the holy, accurate word of God his strategic, careful intentionality. We are who we are supposed to be created for his glory in his image. There are no unexpected pregnancies in God's economy. We might look at someone and wonder, what was God thinking to give them a baby? But it's not about us. God decides. So I am pro-life. I'm pro-eternal life. I'm pro-abundant life. Because Jesus went to the cross for our sin that we would live an abundant life, not a mediocre, average existence. And I love to tell children and teenagers that God did not send his son to the cross for you that you would have an abundant school experience. School is a season. Learning never ends. That's an amen spot, people. Let me try that again. Learning never ends. Oh my gosh. I'm directing them and they're following me. It's pretty cool. I feel quite powerful right now. 
When I do high school graduations, it's really cool because I love to declare proverbs that state that learning is your life. And they, the students are like, oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> but see, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and a true Christ follower, then you know the value of learning his ways and his will. Amen? And it is not a burden to know the word and to celebrate what he would want for us. I'm also pro-living. I'm pro-life, pro-eternal life, pro-abundant life. And Jonathan, I'm pro-living, and that's where it starts. Because you know what? If we don't take advantage of today, and we don't live in today, then death doesn't matter. So the apathy that I see in young people, the concerns I see in the culture, I, I would say with respect, and, and I don't know you, but I would say with respect, are you living a life to the glory of God? What is your story? Why did God make you you for such a time as this? What was his creative intent? Ephesians 2.10 is another brief passage in the Holy Word where we learn again about God's intentionality. We read in Ephesians 2.10 that, we that we are his workmanship, or in some translations, right, it says that we are his masterpiece. So if anybody says, tell me a little bit about yourself, you say, well, I'm God's masterpiece, who are you? Or better yet, like that sounds so arrogant, why don't we invite them into the fellowship of the believers and say, hey, I'm God's masterpiece, do you know that you are too? God so wanted you, you, that he strategically took time to create you. Jonathan, I think if people in our culture knew today God is created with a capital C, so much would change. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created in advance to do good work. There are things within you you don't yet know are there. And I, I hope that you've had the experience of discovering something about yourself and going, whoa, where'd that come from? That came from God's intentionality. I, let me say that your future is in you. So many people, I'm fearful, look at the ad on the side of the bus or the billboard or the lyrics they listen to or the TV sitcom dialogue or the movie or the conversation with somebody who is not of the same biblical worldview as they are and they get an image from that conversation about their future. The future is in you. Ephesians 2.10 declares that to be true. That is not my opinion. And so we walk forward expecting God to continually show us more of ourselves, and it's such a beautiful thing. What is your story? What good works has God placed, thank you for nodding, within you? How many of you have already found some good works within you? I certainly hope that many of you would acknowledge God's goodness to you today, and I hope you're expecting even more. I was created to be a chatty Cathy. When God chose to make me at the potter's wheel, he saw this. And he created me with so many words. And if I would have been raised, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, shut up, go find something to do, I wouldn't be here today. But my mom and dad saw all the words in me as a strength to develop, not a problem to eliminate. That's your power as a parent. That's your power as a grandparent. That's your power as a church to get to know the young people and to not always be quickly offended and bothered by whatever it is that they do well, but to teach them self-control and to teach them the boundaries that will bless them one day. When I was a young child, The Thesaurus was my favorite book. 
I earned all the library reading summer awards by reading more books than others. Now I write books. When I was a high school student, I joined the forensics team and gave speeches. Now today, I'm kind of giving a speech. My mom and dad enrolled me in children's theater. They said, go talk there a while. And that's where I learned how to be on a stage, project, and use body language and facial expression. We partner, thanks for smiling, we partner with God. Wow, what a privileged people we are. That's the body of believers. That's the church to come alongside the wounded and the broken and the whole and the healed and to help them become. Childhood causes adulthood. <laughs> like, I stayed up late to figure that out, <laughs> no. Today causes tomorrow. If you wanna have this happen tomorrow, you better do something today. Find the gifts within you. Take advantage of your opportunities. Well, God didn't create me only as a chatty Cathy, but let me be very honest with you and tell you that spelling does not come naturally to me. Am I among friends, anybody in the audience, like my last name is spelled K-O-C-H, we pronounce it Cook, it's ridiculous. That's why I go by Dr. Cathy professionally, it's just better. An E at the end of the word is supposed to make the first vowel long. It doesn't always happen. <laughs> the number four has a U in it. And the number 14 has a U in it. But 40 doesn't. <laughs> See how quick you are as a congregation. I mean, F-O, how many of you want to know what happened to the U? And how many until right now had never seen that before? <laughs> Those of us who struggle with the English language saw it the very first time that we tried to spell that crazy word that doesn't work right. But you know what, you guys? I don't let my weaknesses win. Don't let your weaknesses win. So spelling is a challenge. I don't ever say I can't spell. That's a lie. There's a lot of words I can spell. And I don't even say spelling is hard. That's a lie. There are a lot of words that are easy to spell. But what I will own, because living in denial is foolish, is that spelling does not come naturally to me. I have an earned PhD in reading and ed psych. I'm an author of six books because I humble myself and I surround myself with people brighter than I am to help me do what God has called me to do. Again, the body of believers ought to be doing that. And I pray you are. Thank you. And I pray the family does that. Um, I don't know if you know that John, I don't know if you know John Hannigan and Melissa Hannigan. They are, uh, John is our executive director. I am so happy to be here at Fruit Cove because this really is the second church of Celebrate Kids. I live in Fort Worth, Texas. I hired, uh, my board of directors hired John to run the ministry. His wife, Melissa, just wrote her first book for Moody. I'm so ecstatically excited. Their four children help us at events. They're, they're amazing people. They're so, and, and I'm the founder and president of the company with an earned PhD, and they help me. There's nothing wrong with knowing your weaknesses unless you give into them and give up because of them. Know what the challenges are. Know what the opportunities are where you can bless someone by allowing them to speak life into you and where you humble yourself and say, I'm not gonna let my weaknesses win. Amen? Amen. The scripture's very clear. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, as example. The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast 
all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, when I talk to children, Jonathan, um, and I share with them, and I sometimes hold up my stack of books and talk about the process of writing a book, and then I admit that spelling doesn't come naturally, they're like, you wrote all those words, but it was hard for you? Yes. But see, technology teaches them that they can be happy all the time, so they do a U-turn at the beginning of the valley. But how many of you know that in the valley you meet God? Raise your hand if you've had that happen to you. Would you just honor me here and honor the Lord? Thank you. Look at that. And how many of you have Christ-like character because you needed it in the times of crisis? Could I see your hands? And we have generations that are dropping out of God and dropping out of church and dropping out of family and dropping out of life because they don't know the one true God of the Bible because they've never had to really know him because they're so afraid of what is hard for them. Let's not do that, amen, as the mature adults. And if any teenagers here are listening to me and you're saying, Dr. Kathy, that's not me. Dr. Kathy, I walk into those things that are difficult for me. Praise the Lord. If you have a child who's willing to walk into the dark places, celebrate them today. Acknowledge that you're proud of them for being willing to discover more about who they are. Thank you for listening to me. I also used to think I was too tall. I walked home from the elementary school that I attended. Mommy, I don't want to be tall anymore. What am I going to do? Cut off six inches and try to put the leg back together? You can't change everything about yourself, but you can change your attitude toward everything about yourself. And that is what we ought to be doing. Amen? Amen. If we don't, why would anybody else? We who say we trust God? So I'm back to what I said a few minutes ago. God is the creator with the capital C. He is the strategic, intentional, individual, personal, loving God. And then we partner with him to speak truth over people and into people. Oh my goodness. I have no trouble putting my suitcases in the overhead bins when I travel. (laughs) Have any of you been overseas? I've been to 30 countries. The overhead bins are way up there. I am the one some of you look for in the grocery store. Hey, excuse me, (laughs) ma'am. Could I get, I mean, people follow me. Like, I feel like I'm being stalked. And And then I turn around and I realize they're petite and they need my help. I could be, I, I, I sit when I speak because I have a bad foot and a bad back. And so I could be down there on a stool and you could see me because when God chose to make me, he knew what he was doing. And my 6-1 existence is part of the perfect package and the gifts of Ephesians 2.10 that now prove to be fruitful. We have to live long enough to find out why we are the who we are. I pray that you and your children will live long enough to find out why you are the who you are because there are reasons When I was a child, I was too tall. Mom and dad enrolled me in tap dance class. I got to be the center of the back row, a position of high honor that only the tallest girl was allowed to have. And I belonged there. The other girls liked that I was there. And I learned how to dance, and I was no longer clumsy. It's a beautiful thing. Do you have a heart cry that you need to speak? Mommy, I don't want to be tall anymore. Is there something about you that concerns you? Something about you that you question, was God really good when he gave me or didn't give me this? Let someone know. I wouldn't be here today except I had a mom available to my heart. And by the way, and this is important, I don't say anymore that I am too tall. If I say I'm too tall, I dishonor God. 
If I believe that God is strategic and intentional and knows what he's doing, then I'm not too tall. I'm tall. I was in front of a group of young children at a public school speaking this message without scripture. Actually, that's not true. Speaking this message with scripture, but they just didn't know it was scripture. <laughs> it's so much fun because it has so much power and they don't know why. And a little boy came up to me when I was finished and he said, excuse me, I just want you to know that I think you're cool tall. I am cool tall. Ladies and gentlemen, I also, as you have heard this morning, have a low voice. I'm struggling a little bit with um, allergies and different things, so I think it's even lower than normal. But I'm called sir on the phone. It's not cool. Um, I'm called sir at drive through restaurants, and then I drive 80 yards and I become a woman without changing my gender. Please note that. And... Um, so I order my food and my voice is lower amplified so that, you know, that'll be 483 at the window, sir. And I drive and I have become a woman. And the, the kid who's working there is looking at the receipt. Thinking, okay. I thought there was a guy in the next car. Don't think that's a guy. And I'm screaming inside. It's getting cold. It's my food. Give me my food. But why am I so quickly offended? Why are we so quickly offended? I have a low voice. Being called sir should not surprise anybody, nor should I want them to feel shame or blame, so I rescue them. No, I have a low voice. It's okay. My name is Kathy. That's why I like Chick-fil-A, because they ask you your name, and that doesn't happen there. <laughs> if I was in charge of the world, nobody would say sir or ma'am ever again, because some of you guys have a high voice, and it's awkward for you too. But you know what? Low voices are easier to hear than high voices. Low voices go further in a room than high voices. I've been to Estonia, Albania, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. They don't have sound systems. It doesn't matter. My voice carried to the back of the room. I could be in your community, have a thousand kids in a public school gym, have the sound system buzz so bad that they turn it off and my voice will carry because God knew exactly what he chose to do when he made me me. And I'm not the only one in the auditorium that is able to say that. Amen and amen. You are who you are supposed to be for God's good and God's glory. Please remember that.